0: Hello friends and listeners and welcome to another edition of the Not The Top 20 podcast. Thank you very much to our favourite band, New Carnival, for playing us in there. Excellent stuff as ever from them. It's George on my right, I am Ali, and there are 15 fixtures over the next two days in the EFL, so any football-specific chat could become dated by the time you're listening, so it is part one of an all-out transfer special. There is just over 24 hours until the end of the transfer window. So what we're going to do is look back at some of the deals from the last few days, of which there have been quite a few as we approach the deadline. And then on Thursday, we'll be back looking at deadline day, where no doubt there will be literally tens of of players moving to other clubs and we're excited to talk through it. So, uh, George, we're going to get straight into it. One today, one on Thursday. Let's go. The big news from today in the championship. Well, one of a number of big news uh, is that Diego Hotter's move to Wolves has been made permanent. He spent the first half of the season nominally on loan at Wolves a la Helda Costa last season. Uh, But now he signs permanently. He'll be a Wolves player at least next season and beyond. So possibly the best player, George, on definitely the best team in the EFL. The Premier League are going to have to sit up and take notice of Wolves next season and Diego Jota uh, especially.
1: Yeah, um, although you have to wonder how quickly these... Signings are going to get taken over. Um, there's no doubt that he's obviously a cut above and will be central to them as they uh, you know, make their start in the Premier League next season. But this time last year, we were waxing lyrical about Helder Costa and about how they made that signing permanent. And now he's almost a peripheral figure at Wolves. Uh, obviously, injuries have impacted that. But at the same time, it's easy to forget just how, how rich and ambitious Wolves could be. And, and it could be the case in a year's time. There are going to be a couple of big-name strikers who have come in, Uh, big name forwards who are going to be ahead of Hotter in the pepping order but without a doubt it's an incredible signing and uh, and one that I'm sure all Wolves fans are delighted with
0: they'd have to be some serious players it's easy to forget that Hotter is just 21 years old he's played over 100 uh, games at well uh, at professional level for teams ranging um, all over really and and Wolves now he was a, a great player for the Portugal under 21 team in the summer at the Euros and you know he is one of Europe's top talents I would say and he's proving that by playing week in week out at a level and in a league that we were, that some suggested he might struggle in. But he's the perfect player as well for Wolves' system, uh, the, the sort of 3 4 3 or 3 4 2 1. Uh, he can play anywhere across that front three. And he's shown an ability really to to hug the touchline and cut inside or operate, you know, starting from those central spaces. Uh, the fact that he's so both footed means he, he, can, he can sort of take on defenders either way. He can pass with both feet. He's proved sensational on the counter attack for Wolves. And, you know, You can point to any number of of exceptional performances this season, but just going back three days, I think any Ipswich fans who were at the game against Wolves on the weekend were treated to what Wolves fans have seen all season, which is a a top player playing at a very, very high level. So, uh, you know, good news for Wolves fans to see that move made permanent. Uh, Another well, big fee that's being mooted around. We we would assume that that hotter fee will end up being around 10 million quid, probably. Now, 8 million pounds for Jordan Hugill is being bandied around. Now, there's a bit of uh, confusion as to whether his contract is up in the summer or not. I tend to fall on the side that it isn't up in the summer because I'm not sure they'd be able to command 8 million quid. Uh, That doesn't quite tally up with with something with what we've seen before. Whether they can
1: command it or turn it down, I think is the question. I think if it was out in the summer, they wouldn't be saying no, it, which is what so, they seemingly so have let,
0: done. let's assume that Hugel's contract is not up this summer. Um, whether it's Crystal Palace, whether it's Reading, a couple of teams have been um, sort of named as uh, people after Jordan Hugo. Would you, you know, what do you think of that £8 million price? Would you fancy a bit of that if you're Preston or would you consider that a, a good signing for the right club?
1: <sighs> it, uh, £8 million to Reading and £8 million to Palace is very, very different. I think the fact that Reading are willing to pay that much money for, for him strikes me as... as very strange indeed um, I think that they would be far better off spending that eight million pounds uh, spread around their team and not necessarily looking for that one player to finish off the chances that they don't create um uh, maybe, I mean, he probably would improve them, but eight million quid for someone who, for a team who are trying to fight off relegation to League One could be the kind of the, the Jack Rodwell signing of, of Sunderland where they're going to suddenly find themselves in League One with a player on huge wages that they've just spent eight million quid on. Um, for Palace, on the other hand, it's a different kettle of fish and it's pittance. So you can see why they're pretty ha- much happy to pay that kind of money. As a
0: player, uh, you know, the championship is fast paced and, you know, technical as well. You you, you know, you, you do get found out if you're not good enough for this level. And Hugel has been a good goal scorer, but it, it really is the next, well, probably two levels up at the Premiership in terms of pace, in terms of what you need to be able to do as a front man. And, and that's where a lot of my concerns would be for Hugo. Uh, obviously, physically, he's a bit of a, a specimen. He can hold the ball up. He can, he's decent in the air. He scored a lot of headed goals. And, and that has its place. You know Palace have Christian Benteke on their books, so they're not averse to playing a, a direct game. But I do think that technically he is not of Premier League quality. Uh, that's my personal take.
1: And also, you look at Dwight Gale last season, who, who was just too good for the championship in effect, and then, and then he can't make the step up consistently. So there is certainly a step up. I mean, we've seen with Jordan Rhodes as well. I mean, these guys who are prolific in the championship, if you're not quite technically good enough for the pace um, of the Premier League, it's much harder, obviously, to lose your man and find space in the box. You're going to get found out, and that seems to have happened.
0: We're mostly going to focus on done deals from the last few days, but uh, with the Hugill fee that was quoted and with this fee of £18 million, an offer from West Ham to Fulham, rejected. £18 million quid, say Sky sources. George, what's your reaction to that for, for Tom Kearney?
1: I think it's, it's fair enough all round. I think it would be a, a shame for Fulham to, to get rid of him, despite the fact he hasn't been quite the player he was last year, again, due to injuries. But I think that... Fulham will be confident that they'll be in the Premier League next year they'll be confident that they can um, be the club to fulfil his ambitions to playing in that league and I think that as looking at Kearney is someone who effectively has you know the freedom of Craven Cottage when he's fit and, and, and ready to play it's, it would seem a massive risk for him to move. I think that in the summer, if they don't get promoted, um, I'm, I'm sure the, the valuation of their valuation will be pretty similar. And if a Premier League team comes along then and, and matches it, then that would be the time to go. But I think now, with this Fulham team in such good form and, and West Ham by no means certain of, uh, of being in the league themselves next year, I think it would be a huge, huge risk. And I think it's, it's fair enough all round that his valuation... Uh, Fulham's valuation of him will be far, far more than what any Premier League club should pay for him.
0: Brentford, as ever, ones to watch as we approach the deadline, George, and there's a lot of murmurings about outgoings, but nothing confirmed yet. Lasa Weber mooted to be either off to China or uh, to, to another English club. Dean Smith very open with the fact that he missed the game on the weekend, the loss against Norwich, because he was in negotiations with another club. And... It's easy to forget because Brentford's team is so young that Las is, is, I think, 30 or very much approaching 30, um, not necessarily in the Brentford mould in that sense. And you wouldn't be surprised, even if it seems counterproductive with a man in such good form that if they're offered a certain amount of money that as part of their model, uh, in inverted commas, it, it probably would point to to uh, a desire to cash in on someone that they probably consider to be close to, to losing all of his resale value in the next year or two.
1: But the, again, the big issue with that, though, is, is that we've said so often that Brentford are probably one of the best footballing teams in the league. And Weber is as close as they got to a goal scorer and a good finisher, even though he's I would still say misses a fair few of them as well. And we saw it on the weekend where suddenly no Vibre and it's back to the same thing when they create right. chance after chance to have no one stick it away. And it's a risk for that reason. And I think considering they are very much in the in the playoff mix, um, they're in a position now where they could realise their ambitions to get promoted, albeit via the playoffs. You think it's got to be a a, a a bad timing again, but we right. said it with... This time last year, as we mentioned with Hogan, and they seem to cope with it OK. Um, so I'm sure they've got many irons in the fire and, and things up their sleeve to, to, to pull it out.
0: Well, one thing that, that was up the sleeve is now very much in the hand, so to speak, is uh, Chidoze Ogbene. Awesome. Um, easy to, to say that. He has signed from Irish Premier League side Limerick for an undisclosed fee. I was talking to a Brentford fan... David, earlier, who, who's, who's pretty on the pulse when it comes to all things B's. And, you know, while there's there's clearly someone signing from Limerick, there's not a huge amount that, that we can possibly um, know uh, as to how he's going to translate to the league. But just talking about David, he he, he sort of, he reckons that Chidozi might be a, possibly a more aggressive, um, pacey striker, you know, more in the Andre Gray mould than the Lassa Viba mould, perhaps, as a player. Um, and as ever, there's a lot of... Uh, There's a lot of risk well not necessarily risk attacks but there's there's not a lot known about what he's going to what he's going to bring whether he'll be able to bring straight away put it that way for the rest of the season but David did mention and this is an interesting part of this obviously is that he said hopefully it spells less game time for the extremely disappointing Mopai, who's turning into a bit of a waste of space up top so you know everything you said just now about about Brentford and the rest of the season and whether they really believe that they can go up through the playoffs despite the model I think you know it would be it would be tough to see Viva go um and and take such a risk with the the other options
1: poor 21 year old Neil Mopai being called a waste of space six months into his first year in England well yeah
0: I think I think it does sound harsh I know that David's opinion is not you know is matched by a lot of Brentford fans and waste of space is obviously an extreme thing to say but um, I think that's based on recent performances, basically, yeah. not necessarily potential, etc. cetera. Um, the most romantic story of the window so far involves Millwall, which uh, you might not expect. Uh, Timmy Cahill... <laughs> 38 years of age, 57 goals in about 250 appearances for Millwall between 1997 and 2004. He played alongside Neil Harris, of course. Um, will he play for Millwall this season? Should he play? Where does or can he play in this Millwall team? Um, all of those questions are ones that I'm putting to you there.
1: Corners, just defensively and attacking. Just just get your head on the ball. Mm-hmm. That's about it, really. Shooting. <laughs> Is he taking the place,
0: here we go, of... Morrison and Gregory, or is he taking the place of Williams or Saville? It's
1: hard hard to know how they're going to plan using. I'd be surprised if it's the latter two because I don't think he'll probably have the legs. Hmm. I mean, I remember watching him playing for Australia in Brazil three and a half years ago and thinking that he looked like his legs are gone. So (laughs) I can only imagine that now he he can't be much better. And I also think that it's just it's one of those where it's going to be a boost to the club, even if he doesn't play that much. Having a guy like Cahill back in, who they can probably bring on for ten minutes to protect a lead. in kind of more withdrawn positions they can bring on late on to try and grab a winner I can't imagine he's going to play particularly regularly I mean he last he played for Everton he left at Everton in 2012 Mm. that's six years ago
0: yeah I mean he's obviously harbouring ambitions of of playing at the World Cup this summer surely he will go at the very least so it's a case of whether he can keep his fitness and whether he can maintain any sort of performance level that'll mean that he's a starter in that that Australia team and yeah as I say as I put to you and you, you sort of Deftly flicked off your legs for three. Uh, I'd be surprised if he takes the place of those central midfield players who are so key to Millwall, and, and their energy in that four-four-two is absolutely paramount. Um, and, and as for the top two you know he's not as good a target man as Morrison although he's obviously very good in the air more known for his sort of late arrivals in the box I'd say um, and and probably not as good a finisher or, or with the energy of, of Lee Gregory so perhaps a bench option for him they've also signed Jason Shackle um, centre back option and Toffolo the, the left back as well so a um, bit of reinforcements there for Millwall as they look to establish themselves in the championship doing a pretty good job of it so far Tommy Elphick George, this is uh, an interesting one for me. He's gone from Villa to Reading on loan. Now, it's pretty standard. He's not been playing at Villa um, and Reading... Always, always keen for any sort of quality they can get. Obviously play three centre-backs as well. So um, always good to get more bodies in. The interesting thing is how quickly things went wrong for, for Elphick at Villa and whether or not he was a bit of a scapegoat uh, for the really poor s- uh, start to their time in the Championship last season. I mean, I went to a game very early on last season where Elphick captained the side, um, you know, geeing up the fans beforehand. They were loving him at that point. He's got this weird routine pre-game where he sort of, Smacks the post with his head and then kicks it and sort of g's up the fans and it was brilliant. It looked great, um, but clearly performances were really poor because very quickly things went wrong. And now he moves to, to Reading. So my question is, can he pass? Because that's what that's what Reading yeah, are going true. to ask him.
1: Uh, just having a look at his who scored page now and it's got strengths. This player has no significant strengths. <laughs> Weaknesses: passing weak. Um, so in answer to your question, maybe not. But then actually, um, he made he's made two starts in the last couple of weeks. Um, Playing 90 for Villa, and they were both clean sheets. One at the Riverside against mm. Middlesbrough, once at home to Bristol City. And for those of you who don't know who scored, they've got a, a rating system which is quite handy, which you know has an algorithm that takes into account loads of different stats. And he got 7.51 against Borough and 7.98 against City, which is is. Very decent, really. Mm. Um, if,
0: if he does nothing else for Villa this season, and he won't because he won't be there, they mm. can they can thank him for some
1: good performances while John Terry was, but, was out but, injured but, I mean, in an important spell. And that that alone suggests that he's you know if he's playing two ninety minutes and, and getting two clean sheets that he's he goes to Reading fit. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a, a fair signing. What
0: about Darren Bent rocking up at Burton on loan from Derby? Uh, Clough said, when you get the opportunity to sign a player who has gone for nearly £60 million in transfer fees over the course of his career, with an excellent goal-scoring record and all the experience he has, then you know it'll be a valuable addition to the squad uh, by using the 60 million pound in transfer fees is Clough slightly um, detracting from the current iteration of Darren Bent. Who, if I was to be really harsh, I would say is almost an entirely different player than the Darren Bent who commanded those transfer fees.
1: I think when you're in the position that Burton are in, where you're, you're you know staring relegation in the face, you're probably going to struggle to ever get back to this level at least anytime soon. And, and the club and the current guys. I think it's important that he tries to, you know, say that they are signing that player because realistically, if he if he if, he said, if you're looking at, at what Darren Bent signed in the last year or so for Derby, it's not a particularly interesting signing.
0: Well, I just my, don't want my, people to get the wrong idea and yeah, then be I, let
1: down I, later on. I think the whole thing is he provides a boost to the club and to the fans. Um, I, I don't really see the signing working myself because Burton don't seem to create the kind of chances that Bent would need to score goals, and he's not going to be the kind of player that drops deep and, and does it himself. So. But at the same time, desperate measures. I think that the fact they've been able to kind of get him financially represents something pretty pretty extraordinary. On a, um, on a,
0: on a very basic level, uh, he is a, a pure goal scorer. I think we all know that. So Burton have 18 games left this season. Let's say he starts 18 games, and, and obviously that seems unlikely, but just for, for the sake of it, how many goals would we need to, to look back and say that was a good signing? S- six?
1: One in three? I think... F- four if it keeps them up and you know if it's eight four winners if if it's eight and they're they're all you know in massive defeats then then it kind of defeats the point well they've only
0: scored 21 goals in their 28 games which is Truly, truly heinous attacking play this season from Burton. So um, he can't hurt, that's for sure. Barnsley have signed Bournemouth winger Connor Marnie, or Mahoney. Not entirely sure which way we're pronouncing that one. He's on loan until the end of the season. Um, he's, he's, he's come from Bournemouth, but he was sort of made at Blackburn where he, he sort of jumped ship really last season he was really the the jewel of the academy I'd say at Blackburn came on in that cup game against Man U last season and I think he might have left Paul Pogba on his backside at, at one point during that cameo so very bright young thing a wide player great dribbler etc unsurprisingly shock horror moved to the Premier League and they haven't found a space for him at, at Bournemouth and it's a, something we've seen time and time again so so off he drops to Barnsley to get some game time. Barnsley, uh, always a likely destination for a player like that and someone that could help them a lot, George, because it's, it seems to me that although we're always talking about Barnsley signings, um, the, the general consensus is that they still need three or four players, first team level players, to, to sort of make sure that they can be lifted above relegation. What What I would say is... If they go down this season, they'd be in a good position next season either way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially because of the, the investment as well means that you know, the, the money they've paid for the players and, and the wages that they've um, shelled out, not that they'll be particularly large, but realistically, they're all going to be assets they can sell if they need to. And also the investment means that they're not going to need to probably. Um, and you'd expect that, you know, the... the um, the money being put into the club will probably continue irrespective of, uh, of whether or not they stay up. I'd be, I think it'd be a massive shame to see them get relegated. I don't think they, they I don't think would be one of those clubs that would, that would do well from relegation because I think if they did stay up, they would strengthen and be fine next year. Um, I do worry for for, for Heckie, though. Um, I just get the feeling that under new ownership, given you know he's not the most um, he's not the sexiest name that mm. they could attract, and, and you get the feeling similarly actually with Dean Smith that. That it, it won 't take much to see uh, to see them you know replaced by someone a bit more mm. with a bit of a name,
0: yeah, uh, just to give a bit of credit for the club and and whoever wants to take the credit i 'm not entirely sure of the personnel when it comes to recruitment, but we do like to shine a light on these things because there's a way that you have to to operate really if you want to punch above their uh, above your weight in terms of budgets and is there a better example, George, than Liam Lindsay uh, signed by Barnsley? I think on deadline day in the, in the summer uh, for about £400,000 and already in this window and, and it looks like he'll, he'll stay but if, if, it, if he doesn't price is being quoted of around 5, 6 million quid and that, that really is, is, is what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah no, exactly. I think that's, that's spot on.
0: So uh, Bristol City have signed French striker Louis Diony or Diony on loan from Saint-Étienne until the end of the season with a view to a permanent deal in the summer. Now, he made a bit of a cameo on the weekend and and looked pretty bright, it's fair to say, only 20 minutes or so. And Robin Berner, who's a, a sort of French football expert, he... Uh, was of. not well no he is a French football expert <laughs> and he, there are a couple of people I follow on Twitter who, who follow the French game all of them really excited from a Bristol City point of view and quite sad to lose him from the French game Robin said he can't believe he's flopped so badly at Saint-Étienne still think he's an excellent all-round forward was superb in League 1 last season and should have been uh, you know just fine for Saint-Étienne didn't quite happen he says he should be a big hit and that Johnny is better than both Kojja and Jeju, or, or at least can be better than them. Now, you know, considering Jeju and Kojja were both signed fresh out of Ligue 2 and this kid had a great season last season in Ligue 1, this is very, very exciting for Bristol City, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'd an, an question whether or not, I mean, I know they've had an amazing season, but I think Jeju... Can be improved upon as well, so it's it's not like a case where he's going to have his work cut out to get to get in front of him. I think that if he if he does the business early on, there's a spot there to uh, to be the man to help fire them you know, to the playoffs or better?
0: Well, I think the hope would be that they, could, that they could play together. Jeju very much considered, I think, uh, and there's more to him than that, but a target man of sorts within that Bristol City uh, team until they throw Aidan Flint up front, of course. Um, and, and Johnny perhaps more, a little bit more mobile, a bit more pacey, able to, to run the channels, get in behind, so... But then uh, where, where does Reid play? Well, you've got to have a squad. <laughs> on the, you know. Fair enough. I mean, I, I, yeah, I maybe think... Well, Read as, as he's proven, can play pretty much Anywhere. wherever you want yeah, him yeah, to. No, true. Um, that, and that's the joy of so many of the, the players in that Bristol City squad. Corey Smith and Brownhill. Patterson, also so fluid and able to play all over the place. Now, Norwich signed three. Dennis Cerbeni, um Onel Hernandez from Paderborn and Braunschweig, respectively. And, quite excitingly, although it's a loan, Moritz Leitner, who I seem to recall playing 90 against Manchester City um, for Dortmund back in their run to the Champions back League in the final yeah. in the 12-13 season. So yeah. um, clearly no surprise that Daniel Farker um, and his sporting director Stuart Weber, formerly of Huddersfield, are looking to Germany for good value because that's what norwich that's what they're focusing on these days they're, they're, they're losing well they're, they're losing the parachute payments they have to be a bit smarter and this is the way that they're going so i mean i personally don't know anything about i and hernandez but i asked you to do a bit of research so i've
1: tried well, i mean sprenny was was playing in the uh, bundesliga dry dry yeah uh, yeah, yeah. yeah the third one um so doing any research on him was difficult except mm-hmm. for the fact that he's scored quite a lot of goals this season. I think he scored like nine and fifteen in the league. Okay. So a decent return, but you've got to be looking I mean, as far as I know, you're probably looking at League One, League Two standard there, so it's gonna be a bit of a step up. Mm-hmm. Um Arnold Hernandez, on the other hand, looks interesting, he's been playing in the Bundesliga. Zwei, nice. Uh, which is the second one, uh, which is more their kind of stomping ground, where we've seen the likes of Huddersfield and Norwich uh, recruit before. Um, looks like a, a very direct winger, um, a very good dribbler, someone to probably take on some of that rec- uh, kind of creative responsibility. Now that Pritchard's left, um, and in, you know, it look, now looks like Madison will be staying, but in case he, uh, he was to leave as well. Um, and then obviously, as you mentioned, Leitner is Leitner's a fascinating one. Um, we kind of remember him being this bright young thing he's now 25 um, stints at Dortmund when he was a youngster was in the Champions League final squad didn't go off the bench um, deputised for Shinji Kagawa and uh, Mario Goetze early in his career so obviously very very talented moved uh, move to Lazio seemingly didn't work I think he's been at Augsburg this season where you'd, you'd hope that he would be um, he'd be able to do it but uh, seemingly not so you know he's 25 years old now on on alone to the end of the season it's going to be his real opportunity to prove that he's still got what it takes so as with Norwich as ever it's definitely interesting intriguing looking forward to seeing, finding out what happens mm. but hard to get overly excited
0: yeah it, it is you'd assume technical ability um, probably a bit of pace has been Prioritise there, so we'll wait yeah. and see what we come. It strikes me, given what you were saying about the Spite Bundesliga being such a good uh, place for uh, talent, that um, we could, you know, we could maybe expand, uh, create some sort of empire. I was thinking, uh, nicht die beste Aktion. That would that's what we'd be called Perfect. in Germany. Not the, not the best 18 because famously the Bundesliga only 18 clubs in that league. So so look out for that, listeners. That could be quite lucrative. Really, we could sort of yeah. act as as a go between between uh, between Norwich Huddersfield Is this taking
1: on um, Galazzo. Uh,
0: no, we're not <laughs> taking on uh, the new Italian podcast uh, done by. Muddy Knees Media and the Totally show, but you know, it'd be a nice addition to everyone's, I think, <laughs> podcast highlights real. Anyway, um, we're moving into League One now, and there'll be so much happening in the Championship over the next 30 hours or so. So we'll bring you all the rest on Thursday. But, George, um, you know, Oxford are the big news, really, for me. Oxford and Bradford in League One at the moment. Yellows still looking for a manager, what's the latest on the manager search? It's been a busy few days for Yellows, both in terms of playing and backroom staff.
1: Yeah, I think from from what I know um, and what I've heard and what I've read, it seems like the decision's been made to go through a proper process again to find a new manager, um, which they went through in the summer, which caused some issues with recruitment. But I think the, the view is now that given that Pep Clotet has left, um, that the recruitment can go back to the the system that was in before without really a manager being necessary. So it wouldn't surprise me to see there be another couple of weeks um, until a manager's announced, which is no issue in, in my opinion, because um, whilst fans may be impatient, I think getting this right is is so much more important than any business we could do in the next couple of days that he could influence. With Clotet, I mean, I, I, again, I, I think it'll be a very different appointment. I reckon it'll be someone who's managed in League One or League Two or the Championship fairly recently and with a bit of mileage under the bonnet, really. Um, I can't imagine that they would sack Clotet and bring in the like, you know, in the betting at the moment, you've got Frank Lampard, Paul Ince, David Unsworth as, as the first three. I'd be shocked if any of them got it, to be honest. Um, not to say that I'd be annoyed, but I, I just don't see. That being the kind of the blueprint and the idea from the board, I think that the board have shown uh, ambition in sacking Clotet when we're tenth in the league and turning down multiple bids for the likes of Ledson and Eastwood. It's now just getting to midnight tomorrow with a couple of new players in. Hopefully, none of those players leaving. Maybe one. I'd be surprised if, if one maybe didn't go. But uh, it's it's a, it's a it's a strange time to be an Oxford fan because there's just a lot of uncertainty. But at the same time, in a, in a week or so, it could be exciting
0: another loan signing from City Smith-Brown I think the other one's double-barreled as well Buckley Ricketts and Smith-Brown so that's four players no (laughs) two players signed from Man City and uh, Jemmy's contract has been terminated that one didn't really come off. It's it's all well and good, um, bragging about signing players from Barcelona B, but then um, you do chuck him in the deep end. Uh, I think it's fair to say, and and he, he didn't really swim. Um, and Charlie Ragland's gone out on loan as well. So uh, a couple more things to happen possibly over the next next uh, day or so. I reckon, and
1: it, I reckon three at least. Three in. Well, that, I mean that's quite exciting in a way, I suppose. Well, oh, yeah, as so long as they're as they're decent, we, we definitely we need a creative midfielder. We need a, a right back. Possibly a centre back, and possibly a striker, possibly a winger.
0: One of the great, one of the great rumours of today, uh, which got you very excited, involved Marvin Johnson, formerly of the Oxford Parish, uh, not really uh, fancied, I think it's fair to say, by Tony Pulis.
1: Yeah, and they've obviously brought in Harrison now um, on loan from Man City, who's coming yes. from New York today, um, a left winger, and they've been playing Braithwaite and Bamford there anyway. So I think that Marvin's time at, at, at the Riverside looks up. The only issue is that he can't play for anyone except for us because of the two <laughs> club rules. So it sounds like we've cheekily... It sounds p- like it makes a lot of sense. Chuck- chucked our hat in the ring and said, look, you know, you're with you you- either you come back with your tail between your legs and play for us for six months or you sit in the reserves and that sounds great to me. I, I-, I personally would absolutely love him. I'm-, I'm scared of relegation at the moment, a little bit. I don't think we should be, but it's just a little bit there, a couple of bad results and suddenly we're going to be down there and I think that... If you you know if any team in League One plays with Marvin Johnson fully fit on their left wing for fourteen games, you're not going to go down really. Only um, five points off the relegation zone at the moment. That yeah. might surprise some listeners. Well, it would, and that's another. I mean, I saw I saw Gab tweeted in saying the cl- Clotet looked a bit soon, and I think that you know you look at it on paper and at the table, and you, and you and you understand why you'd say that. But I think that it's it's quite annoying having you know there are national news journalists out there. Tweeting after it happened that it was a ridiculous decision, and I think that that's just—it's a bit presumptuous that you can look at a league table and decide that you know what's happened uh, based on that. I think that the, the the recruitment in the summer, led by Clotet, was nothing short of, of shambolic. Really, like awful. Um, if you look at the players he brought in, like Dali is just terrible mm. uh, at, at football. Sadly, chemmy has um, gone. Chemi, gone, and he was conference standard at best. Gino Van Kessel is a complete waste of waste of time, waste of everyone's efforts. Um, Ricardinho is a fantastic footballer but realistically we probably could have done without him and gotten a proper left back who mm. came from around here um, who had experience in the league so really he, he's, he's made the rod for his own back there and then decisions such as playing we, we're playing Wigan at home the best team in the league at home we've got Ledson who we're rejecting a million pound bids for we've got Rothwell who we're rejecting bids for from Blackburn and he starts Yemi and puts Soto on the bench sorry Chemmy <laughs> So, starts put put and puts those on the bench. And that, that alone, it's just stubbornness. Like, there's absolutely no way that he could have thought that he, would, that he was a better player than those two. Mm. Um, and, the, the and you st- lost 7-0, of course. We lost 7-0, yeah. <laughs> and he was h- hold off at half-time for, for Ledson. And, and just the standard of, of, of our performances over the last four to six weeks has just been, like, terrible in terms of the slide. Um, so, f- you know, for those people looking in thinking it's harsh, and he was stubborn and, I think, sadly... Um, the board made a mistake, probably with with his appointment, and they've and they've held their hands up to it straight away and admitted it as soon as possible, and, and they've they've made the change whilst you know before we're in a position we're in a relegation fight, hopefully, and it said in the statement you know that this, the ambition to get promoted this season is still there, so if we get someone in who can rally the troops and, and get a few wins under us, then we'll be looking up, not down.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things that go into a decision like that. But just as a final word, and you touched on it last time, before he was sacked, um, shushing your own fans after, uh, after an Oxford goal before throwing away a lead against a team that had barely scored for about three months. And losing to the bottom club in the league probably wasn't going uh, to be the, the smartest decision ever made by Pep Clotet. Uh, and we'll wait and see what he does next, whether he goes back to being a number two, uh, maybe joins up again with Monk, uh, in his next job, wherever that may be, uh, remains to be seen. I just
1: into one more thing on it as well, because I do feel you know, maybe being overcritical as well. There, there was a massive reliance on Jack Payne, um, which was an error in terms of recruitment as well. Because as soon as he was taken away from us, <laughs> um, it, suddenly it looked so one-dimensional. And I think to, to, to be so reliant on one player um, was another one of his downfall you know, his downfalls as well. Interesting
0: stuff. Now, uh, Chris Lennon, uh, I just thought this was an interesting question. So we we haven't really taken too many questions from today, but this is one of them that we have. Um, He says, would clubs such as Oxford and AFC Wimbledon, uh, I'm not sure why he's picked those two, but that's who he's gone with, be looking at loans of younger players from premiership or championship clubs or gems from non-league, for example, players like Tommy Wright at Sutton United. Now, I thought it was interesting uh, that he chose those two teams because Oxford have been looking at loans of younger players from Premier League, those two coming in from Man City, whereas Wimbledon's recruitment um, saw them sign Joe Piggott, was scoring goals in the conference in the National League, I should say. So I think it's fair to say to Chris that that different clubs obviously take different approaches. That's that's nothing new and, and nothing groundbreaking. I think probably a lot comes from the contacts that the clubs have. I mean, Oxford in the last few seasons have developed somehow whether it's through Appleton or, or through someone else clearly good relations with with
1: Premier League teams and 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 the like and, and AFC Wimbledon perhaps less so I think it's a no-brainer that personally I'd much rather be looking up at players who uh, who aren't making the grade at, at Premier League level these are guys who have had a hell of a lot of money invested in their in their development um who you can get players you know look at Kamal Roof for example who is we couldn't Believe that a really poor West Brom club, uh, West Brom team, didn't want a guy that had scored however many goals in half a season for Oxford and League too. But actually, you forget that it's it, how few players make that grade. So for me, looking at the two City players we brought in this week or in the last two weeks, I've got a pretty good feeling that if either of them turn out to be really good, there's a chance we could sign them permanently at the end of mm. the season. And then the resale value from that is absolutely huge. If you, you, you know, you're looking at what's happened with Ledson, who got from Everton, Lundstrom, who we got from Everton, um, Roof, who we got from West Brom, you know these guys have massive sell-on value, whereas Jamie Vardy is like famous for being like the one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the one guy who, who, who made the grade. Likely, the likelihood is with, with these non-league players is if they're a success. It's like a, a diamond in the rough that you've managed to get, but it's probably pretty unlikely they're going to go up again. Um so, so, yeah, I mean, I think that the recruitment model of looking for, for players who just aren't quite good enough to make the grade at, uh, at Premier League level. And also, it's going to be much more attractive to, to a Premier League club to get someone who's had that coaching and that experience of playing coming through an academy as well. So, yeah, I think it's great.
0: One team that are going down an entirely different route to, to both Oxford and AFC Wimbledon, Northampton Town. Uh, probably the big transfer news from League One today was that Kevin van Veen, or Kevin von Veen, if you're talking Dutch, uh, has joined them from Scunthorpe for an undisclosed fee. Now, it's, it's been an interesting one, this. Um, th- there's been a lot going on on Twitter. Some Scunthorpe fans really bemoaning a lack of ambition from the club that has seen them lose von Veen and Paddy Madden uh, this window. Uh, some other fans saying well actually Madden and Von Veen were, were, were not performing particularly well were high earners uh, for a club that has a, a pretty large wage bill f- for League One standards c- you know compared to their average gates for example um, and, uh, and, the, and the big question is whether they'll be replacing them in the next 24 hours because Scunthorpe are a team in the playoff places and there's a certain level of ambition I think that, that needs to be shown that the fans expect to be shown um, but the big question is is Kevin Van Veen a good signing for Northampton Town He he didn't score a lot but when he did it was spectacular and I think that might have turned a few people 's heads um, I think you you know you're looking at probably one in three he scored, which isn 't a terrible record, but he's, so actually, he's in decent scoring form at the moment yes, he has been in decent scoring form at the moment um but that, but you know that that's what that's what I was wondering i 'm not sure if you 've seen him live, but um Northampton needs something, uh, and it 's whether i mean I get worried about Northampton, Tom Rostance tweeted that. Since Chris Wilder left in May 2016, Northampton have signed 47 players. Oh, my God. That is 18 months, 47 players, and had three managers, of course. Um, I make it 27 signings since the start of the summer transfer window. That is two starting 11s and five subs worth of players signed. Like, that's absurd. It doesn't make me excited. I,
1: I, I, don't, I swear they seem to go from being bankrupt to cash-rich, to bankrupt, to cash-rich every every couple of months as well.
0: Very, very bizarre. and that, She gives me pause for thought when I'm saying, because so many of them looked great on paper. Kasim, um, what's he called, Grimes, and Crooks, all, all those guys look like fantastic signings on, on paper, but Northampton are not doing well. They're right down at the bottom, just above the relegation zone. So Kevin Von Veen joins, and everyone says, oh, it looks like a good signing on paper, but something's not going well, and I'm not sure that continuing to throw money at the problem is necessarily the answer because
1: you know there's only so long that can last especially quite when you know they've, they've struggled to really get going all season um, Hasselbank had a bit of a uh, you know a renaissance when he first came in and then then it struggled again but they're actually doing kind of okay at the moment really mm. um, if you're looking at their form currently obviously got that draw on the weekend which was absolutely huge for them um, and so bringing in players now at this stage is difficult their last four games they've won three of them and drawn one beating Southend Bradford and MK Dons it's decent and then obviously getting a point at Ewood Park so whether or not these signings now will further strengthen them or, or or vice versa and cause trouble, we'll see. But some reason to be positive, maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've probably, I've probably gone off on one there and are possibly not entirely uh, on merit. All I would say, and again, this is not, this is not based on any inside knowledge of, of all the intricacies of wage bills in League One, but um, when you see so many players signing that it makes you go, oh, they're making quite a lot of quite notable signings, a la Berry in the summer, I think it 's fair to suggest that that tends to mean they 're offering very competitive wages, so when you 're signing twenty seven players in the space of six seven months um, that that is money being spent and um, and that always gives me slight you know, Red flags, that's what I'm saying. So it'll be interesting to see with Berry and with Northampton as well how, how it develops over the next year or two because there's only so much you can spend really in League One on a League One budget. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. So stay with us um, as we see what happens next, whether they'll shoot up the table with their talented squad or whether there's uh, uh, further worries on the horizon. Justin Chabu has signed uh, cool. from... Brentford B he has signed for Walsall on loan sort of bright young thing at Brentford in that B team um, score, it scores goals at that level um, getting a chance I think he could be An interesting addition to the Warsaw squad. Uh, He was part of a Brentford B team that beat Reading under 23s 9-1 the other day, which was a pretty eye-catching result. Although as a striker, not scoring in a 9-1 win um, (laughs) is a a bit of an odd one, but could be an interesting one. Uh, And MK Dons as well. They've signed uh, Josh Tymon on loan from Stoke. He was at Hull previously. He he sort of jumped ship in the summer when things were looking a bit ropey. Uh, But again, he was one of Hull's one of the real jewels of their academy and I've used that phrase twice already in, in this pod um, but I think he could be a nice pickup for, for MK Don's they've got Elliot Ward in as well A bit of experience at the back so uh, one team to be quite worried about I think at the moment is Bradford uh, George five defeats in all competitions in a row uh, they lost 4-0 at home to Wimbledon in a match that saw manager Stuart McCall sent to the stands and have a bit of a meltdown uh, just days after uh, one of the one of the old classic votes of confidence from the board on the website. Uh, but they've signed Kai Brünke, uh, a German, a big burly German striker. He sounds worryingly similar to Charlie Wyke, if you ask me. Uh, they've also yeah. added Ryan McGowan, Matty Lund, and Stephen Warnock. And had so, lots of
1: bids rejected for Christian Dennis as well.
0: Lots of bids rejected for Christian Dennis. Uh, do, do you see the business they're doing and go, oh yeah, nice, that, that, you know. That'll help, or do you go? Ooh, guys, uh, you're going to want to stop this slide.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's what they're trying to do. I think it's either or. I think they're obviously investing now because they feel like they're, they're on the side and they need to get some reinforcements in. Um, my, uh, you know, I've never been particularly a fan of, of McCall as a manager. I feel like he, he took over a good team and managed to prolong their good form. But I would, I would, I'd be concerned now that maybe the wheels are slightly coming off. Um, we, you always said you can rely on your home form but you can't rely on get away form and, and that's what's happened in this season where their home form has been absolutely terrible um, but they've managed to pick up points on the road and now that's, that's coming to a halt so it's, it's possibly worrying times for, for Bantam fans
0: Last couple in League One Rotherham have got how do you say Lavery's first name it's Kaelin, spelled Caelan 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 yeah. Lavery on loan from Sheffield United he's a player that you quite like and and with the key for more sized hole in uh, in Rotherham's attack uh, as well as the signing of Michael Smith of course um, you quite fancy this one Rotherham a team in, in pretty good form looking quite good
1: yeah they are I, th- I think he's a good player but I've, I've kind of thought he's going to be a good signing for everyone he's signed for for the last two years and it's never really happened for him but I think that he's someone who given time to become a first team regular and given good service he could easily um, he could easily impress and, and I think he's coming into a good environment there with a the team who are, who, are, who are firing pretty well so um, I expect that one to be a, to be a goodie.
0: Now, since we started the pod, there can't have been many players who have been on more loans than Sully Kaikai. Kai. Um, he's joined Charlton, uh, the Crystal Palace winger slash forward. He's at Brentford. He was at Shrewsbury. Uh, nice player, certainly. Uh, if, he, if he gets a bit of game time at Charlton, I think he could be a good addition for them. And lastly, Wolves have loaned Duckens-Nazan to Oldham until the end of the season. He was obviously one of the Coventry fan favourites of the first half of the season. I think, fair to say, Quite raw, uh, blue fairly hot and cold, scored eight goals in 24 games for Coventry, but always a handful. Um, I'm not sure he's the striker that Oldham are hoping to sign. Uh, they're desperate to get Owen Doyle back, as you can imagine. It'll be interesting to see if he rejoins, because there'll be no shortage of takers for him. And with the new man in charge, or rather owning the club, uh, Mr Lem Sargam, it'll be interesting to see how many additions Oldham make in the next 24 hours. I consider them to be a possible uh, bit bet for most signings on deadline day. Down in League Two, one of the reasons why Charlton have added Sully Kaikai Kai is because they were able to let Carlin Ahern Grant go out on loan to Crawley. I think this could be one of the signings of of, of the transfer window. He's a really exciting young winger, Ahern Grant, and very highly rated at Charlton, I know we say that about basically every youth player, but um, he's he's made a lot of sort of cameo appearances off, off the bench for Charlton this season and looked very very bright. And in and in Crawley, we're, we're looking at a team who have won five out of their last six, um, playing some really good stuff. Uh, a player in Enzio, Boldavine probably one of the form players in League Two at the moment, um, playing off one of the flanks. A uh, uh, Hern Grant could.
1: Could help to take them, you know, up, up and up. Definitely. They're, they're blasting their way out of, out, out of the mire at the moment, really. Um, it doesn't take much more, I don't think. And they're going to be pretty much home and dry. So um, a really good signing for them. Probably a case of, of Harry Kuehl... You know, using his his clout and his and his contacts in the, in the transfer market. So good on him.
0: Yeah, you say home and dry. I mean, they're sixteen points above the relegation zone, so they're certainly oh, they? they're certainly dry. They're, six,
1: they're sixteen points ahead now.
0: They're five points off the playoff place. That is unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, I would I would I'd say they're that's definitely nice, it's, dry. It's,
1: it's, it's a nice proof to the listeners. I don't have the lead two table in front of me whilst we're doing it. So they are it.
0: home. <laughs> they are dry. They have their slippers on. They are on the sofa under a blanket, and they're just cracking in to, to a film. Uh, Morecambe have picked up Greg Wilde on loan from League One side. Please Plymouth Argyle until the end of the season now I remember two seasons ago um, when Plymouth had Wilde and Carey um, both with brilliant left feet I think and sometimes it was hard to tell from the highlights which one was better and who was who Uh, Wilde's career didn't quite kick on at Plymouth uh, like Carey's they couldn't really find space for him Um, this season certainly and he has gone to Morecambe on loan I think it's a good signing Um, any quality that Morecambe can get in is always welcome and and takes a bit of the pressure off some of their front men so adds something to them George I want you to tell us a little bit about Yeovil's signing Alex Fisher Um, (laughs) one of the very few EFL players that one of us knows personally. You don't have to give us the whole backstory, but just in case there's some Yeovil fans listening, you know, you might be able to give them a bit of insight into, into his career so far.
1: Well, I mean, I know him more as a man than a, than a player. <laughs> At least I used to. I mean, I haven't seen him for about 10 years. He's an old mate of mine uh, <laughs> who I literally haven't seen for 10 years. But he, um, he came through Oxford um, in, a, in a pretty difficult time for us as a club when we, the, when we were in the conference and didn't have many players. And he played a fair bit, to be honest, um, and looked quite sharp um he then made the decision to go to the Glen Hoddle Academy in Spain, um where he uh, was there for a couple of years and I think he he kind of did a bit of Euro, Euro hopping. I think he went to Belgium for a bit, maybe Italy for a bit. Um popped up in Scotland, where I think he scored a, a pretty famous goal, I think for Cali Thistle last season mm-hmm. at Parkhead, I think. Nice. Um you're testing my, my Alex Fisher knowledge here. But um but no, he's you know, he he was a guy who who was always very talented. Um, when he was younger, and scored a lot of goals at kind of youth team level. When he was when he was a guy, I think he's been less prolific in the professional game, but but no doubt an intelligent player. And I'm I'm going to be fascinated to see how he gets on. Clearly a great
0: character. If he was mates with you as a, as a youngster, they've also signed <laughs> Ryan Seager on loan from Southampton. He spent the first half of the season on loan at MK Dons and didn't really impress enough there. You're a Yeovil fan, isn't he? Ryan Seager? I think so, yeah. That's nice. That's, that was really high-pitched. But that is a really nice tidbit uh, from you. Nice bit of research. Well done, George. Um, Fela Olamola was obviously Yeovil's goal scorer from the first half of the season. He was on loan from Saints, who took him back. There's been a lot of, will he be re-signing on loan? Could we even possibly sign him permanently? Um, he's a bit of a bright young thing, Olamola. I'm not sure that a permanent deal is in the offing it seems to me like this um, Seager loan might be a bit of a sort of gift from from Saints to sort of apologise for taking Olomola off them but um, could be a nice option up front for them and just finally while we've been uh, talking there have been a couple more signings and we are dedicated um, uh, when it comes to bringing you the transfer news across the EFL this week so Andy Boyle has moved from Preston to Doncaster Irish centre-back signed last season Got a bit of game time last season, less so this season with Preston's formidable defence, but uh, an interesting signing for Doncaster. I think it would be a good player for them. And finally, Tob- Tobias Figueiredo from Sporting Lisbon to Nottingham Forest on loan. I know absolutely nothing about Tobias, but friend of the pod, Tiago Estevão, who is just an expert of all football, really. He does, and he says if there's a place he can fit it's in the championship strong quick great in the air his positioning is questionable and he's often overly aggressive but when in rome and i think that sums it up really uh, thank you very much to tiago for for that insight Uh, someone mentions in the comments below that if Karanka turned Danny Ayala into a reliable player then the signs are positive so good one to look out for good one for you Forest fans hopefully you'll be able to hold on to Joe Worrell as well and that's us done we'll be back on Thursday for part two of this not the top 20 pod straddles the deadline special so join us then and thank you very much for listening